Ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I'm part of the click, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes! 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 I, I got an idea, yeah. Peter John Cena! Give me a hell yeah! I pull a little bit of the bubbly. Too sweet! <laughs> <laughs> episode is scheduled for one fall, and it is for your listening pleasure. This is In The Click. What's up, everybody? Baby Huey here, and joining me once again is my good brother from the Bullet Cast. It's Philip. How's it going, Philip? Huey, it's been a while since I've talked to you. <laughs> um, I'm doing well, man. I picked up the brand new Bullet Cast championship. Yeah, man. Oh, wait, wait. You mean my championship. Whoa, whoa. Hey, it's on the line this Sunday for Clash of Champions. You better bring your A-game. Oh, absolutely, dude. I am <laughs> I'm a champion of the Bullet Cast uh, universe, if you want to call it that. So, no, I, I, I not only am I the greatest, I, uh, yeah, like I said, late champion, but I'm a fighting man's champion or a fighting people's champion. I'll gladly defend it anytime, anywhere, any place, any pay-per-view. Just tell me the time and place, and you got it. Hey, man. So what are your thoughts on the championship, man? Dude, it's awesome. So I saw, I, I watched uh, the video version of the Bullet Cast. Was it from last week where you officially debuted it on video, right? During the podcast, you're showing your co-host Brandon. And I was surprised how big it was. And like, Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, shout out to Steven from West Ghost Design, man. Like He's been killing it with making these championship belts. Yeah, dude, he said this is the heaviest title he's ever made. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, dude, this it's 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 a it's a big boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but what are your what are your thoughts on the texture, the detail of it, well, man? Okay, so for me, and I I I think I've said it on a, a po- previous podcast with you. I'm always a big fan of big gold plated championships belts. Like, for example, the current WWE Championship and Universal Title. I get it. There's a lot of like, diamonds on there per se, but it, it's it's the gold that you see on there. It's mostly just used for like an outline. It's not gold plates. I'm a fan of gold plates. So obviously, growing up in the 80s and 90s, I loved the old Wing Eagle Championship and the Attitude Air Championship. Those two are like the top two designs for me. Like that's the thing. People always ask, like, what's your favorite championship design? And I always go back between those two. It's always a toss up. One day I might favor the Wing Eagle more just because of the lineage of the champions that held the title during that era. But then again, I might actually put the Attitude Era Championship number one for me personally because I feel like it's the Wing Eagle Championship, but bigger. Like, it's a bigger and, design. And- and because Austin ushered it in. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's crazy to me. So here, uh, I know we're not doing video right now, which hopefully we will be soon. But, uh, you know, I, I have a, a, a toy version of the Wing Eagle Championship I found at Walmart a couple months that's, ago. 
That's the one, man. That's that's my favorite championship yeah. design ever. So it's gorgeous. It, to me, it's so crazy as far as all the champions that have held this version. It, it's so crazy. I mean, uh, you know, you think of Hulk Hogan, but also like Shawn Michaels, you know, when he Macho be, Man. Yeah, like everyone who's held this version of the title, it, it, it's such an iconic design and that's why i think a lot of people think it's the best looking one and i I agree with everyone um but it's crazy to me that austin theoretically only had it for one night like that's where i gotta kind of remind myself you know stone cold's my favorite so he won it at wrestlemania 14 and then the next night on raw that's where they debuted the new design the attitude era one i think he has it too because i know he has the ic title he won where he beat uh, Owen when he broke his neck, yeah. but I think he, I think he has the winged eagle also. So that one, the IC one, if I remember, that's the same one also. Like Rick Rude and all these other guys held. Yeah, so dude, it's pretty cool. Austin told Vince, "I'm keeping this one. You have another one made." <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't like I would love to ask him like, how did that work? Like, how did he tell Vince like I'm keeping it? Because I know like Ric Flair. I think he has like one the the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, right? Like the the one I think who was it? Was it Kevin Von Erich or someone like stitched some writing into it? It's like uh like it's not the one Nick Aldis currently has. Like Nick Aldis has like a newer design. Yeah, and then like WWE has the NWA title that Harley Race held. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so it's it depends on like Dave Milliken, he has a lot of those ring use titles also. Wow. That's yeah, so he has cool. like the the TNA one. He has the old NXT Women's title and it, like the WCW TV title from like the nineties. So, yeah, so, so just for the clicks out there, who's Dave Milliken again? Just to remind, uh, he's um a belt maker. You know, he, he's made a lot of the uh the belts that you see in wrestling today. I mean, it. So, I mean, he's like the he's like the go to guy. Oh, is he the one that? Posted like the photos of like the U.S. title in the past, or no? Or maybe, I might be thinking of someone else that was like on Instagram. But anyway, it's uh, yeah. It's so it's crazy to me that WWE does not own or have all those titles in their possession. I mean, I know they have like a huge storage unit somewhere in Connecticut, which goes back to something we talked about off and on for years. Is WWE needs an actual like Hall of Fame? location a building or something where they could display the whole like museum of just artifacts that they own absolutely absolutely if anybody knows how i can get my hands on the silver ecw title that's in the warehouse uh hit me up (laughs) the one that matt hardy had oh yeah dude i was a fan of that i love really okay see that's cool that's awesome i think it just shows Depending on like what era you grew up in, just what things really mean a lot to you personally. Yeah, I that's was, always I cool. Was like, I was like twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's what that's when you were when you were like probably really getting into wrestling at that point. And it's a very uh, important part of your life, so I could totally yeah, get that. That, and if I can get my hands on the spinner, which if you've seen the Cena versus Edge Untold, Edge hated the spinner. <laughs> he didn't like it, which I, I do. Help. I was a fan of it. I love the spinner belt. I do. Okay, so let me ask you real quick. Uh, for that spinner belt, is okay. The one like the Miz had, and like CM Punk had. Is is that the same one? But they just stopped it from spinning, or did they just make like a duplicate that just didn't spin? It's you, a different title because if you look at it, Miz's was more stiff and Punk's yes. was more flimsy. Yeah, Punk's was more flimsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because I've held the one Miz had. So Miz came by the radio station with. Uh, was Alex uh, uh, Riley? Alex Riley? Right, Alex Riley. 
So they came in. So quick little funny story. Uh, so years ago, they were in town promoting something, probably some WWE event. I forgot what it was. And they were doing in-studio interviews. Uh, unfortunately, the morning show that I work on, they were out that day. So I was in the studio by myself running the best of show on the board. So, you know, just pushing buttons. Uh, Miz and Alex Riley came in. And went to our sister station, KMBR, and they were in studio. And I was like, oh. And you know, this is before I was doing like my own interviews. I, I was still just kind of like a nobody, just just doing a lot of behind the scenes work. I wasn't doing as much on air stuff at, as I as I'm doing now. So it, we were in a commercial break or music break, and luckily I ran out in the hallway. They were like next door in the studio next door, and they were in the hallway. So I just went up to them and I said, hey. Introduced myself. I said, a big fan. Uh, is it cool to get a photo with you guys? And I said, I, I, I would have you on right now, but my guys are out today. Uh, and Miz and Alex were super chill, super awesome. Uh, no pun intended of being awesome, but anyway, so, uh, uh, he's like, sure. Yeah. Let's take a photo. And then he, Miz said, you want to hold it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so I have that photo. I think I posted on Instagram recently as a throwback Thursday. Actually, funny. I was wearing this shirt, this Metallica shirt that I have on right now. You can see how faded it is now. But anyway, uh, like I said, that's Miz. I know for the most part, he's always been like mostly a heel, but you know, off the air, not to break kayfabe or the fourth wall. He's always been super nice off the air. Uh, so it was cool. He's like, you want to hold it? And I was like, yeah. So I got to hold the WWE championship, that design that he was, uh, he had when he was champion. So here's a funny story about holding WWE titles. I don't know if you saw my StarCast photo when I'm holding the Winged Eagle. That's the title Sean won at WrestleMania 12. So that's uh, against that's, Bret Hart? Yeah, that's the one. That was used on TV from SummerSlam 95 up until, like, April of uh, 96. So how many – okay, so that's the one where the boyhood dream has yep. come true. Wow. Dude, I, I, I marked out. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's I'm, such an iconic – moment obviously him on his knees crying and just celebrating in the moment um so it is so they obviously had different versions of the wing eagle like duplicate models or or yeah the the dude was telling me when hogan was champion his name had to be stitched on the title what hogan needed his name stitched my name's got to be on there brother like yeah like i'm like what that's okay but that's really custom yeah, him. there were like really different variations of it, so okay. that's the one he, he he held, and that was super cool for me being a being a Sean Mark. But I guess to wrap up the belt talk, yeah, to the to okay. the bullet cast title. If you look at the main plate, the circle, the circleage on the top and bottom, it's from the oval IC title, which I'm a huge fan of that. Okay. And then the the edges, the kind of rectangle edges on the sides, that's from the WCW US title that like Goldberg held and stuff like that. I wanted to com- combine those two titles together. Oh, the inspiration behind the look. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And you can check it out on uh, Bullocast's what Instagram, right? You have Absolutely. some photos there. I have the Canadian flag because, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I say it's very cool. So shout out uh, West Coast Design for making it. It looks super cool. And like I said, I can't wait to hold my championship in person. So please just keep it warm right now. Keep it clean. Keep it clean. You know, you know, you know. At least once a day, just wipe it down. Keep it, keep it nice and shiny. So. Um, please do it for me, Philip, as a favor. I appreciate it. You know, uh, you, you can be my manager. 
since I am the champion. But um, I'll be your I'll be your Heenan. I'll bump all over the place for you. Exactly. But that's the other thing too. It's like Wing Eagle Attitude Era, and then of course the big gold belt from WCW, uh, uh, which was uh, which is so weird. Like I forget that you know the NWA, the ten pounds of gold, the World Heavyweight Championship. You know that was our iconic one. Flair Harley Race had, but then they transition to the big gold belt for late 80s and all through the 90s, early 2000s. Then when WWE bought it, they brought it back, and Triple H was the first champion of uh, uh, when they had the brand split and stuff. So, I mean, that design, too, I just love that it's just huge gold plates. Like, no pun intended. I mean, that's why it's called the big gold belt. It's just gold everywhere. The only problem is, like, from far away, it just looks like one big gold piece. You know, there's not, like, you can't really see any of the detail, so you have to like re- look really up close to see like what's the design on and stuff. But nonetheless, I love just big gold plates, circular big gold plates. Absolutely, man. And with the big gold, everybody who held that thing, they looked like a champion. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and that's why I, I really dig the new Bullet Cast Championship. And when it holds it, <clears throat> me. Uh, looks like a champion. <laughs> so, oh man, but yeah, Philip, it's so good to be talking to you again. You are a sight for sore eyes, as they said, and was it Back to the Future? It's been a minute since you and I have done the episode, but thank you it again. Has, man. Thank you again to all the clicksters for joining us on this episode of In the Click. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at In the Click as well. Uh, big shout out to uh, Pro Wrestling Unlimited. They've been helping promote some of our uh, recent episodes lately, and I've noticed a little bit of a spike in our listens and downloads. So thank you to them, and thank you to all the clicksters for the continued support, and welcome to any new listeners that we've gained in the last couple weeks already so uh i'm really happy i think we're getting some momentum going again i'm really digging all this and uh, if you're new to in the click and probably wondering like what we're doing here right now so philip he is of course our aew correspondent so the focus of this episode of in the click we'll be talking everything aew related so unfortunately i was extremely busy last week last weekend a lot going on um, just work wise, it was also my mom's, uh, it would have been her birthday, uh, this past week. And so we're doing some family related stuff. So it was just a lot going on. So I didn't have time to record, uh, our second episode of the week for, uh, in the click. So, uh, Philip and I are going to play some catch up on this episode. Just talking about some of the highlights from last week, this week, a lot going on in the AEW world and we'll get through all that stuff. So. But before we jump into that real quick, we do got to talk about, uh, unfortunately, some sad news. So uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of the timeline. It was yesterday morning. So we're recording right now on a Thursday night. So it came out uh, early Wednesday morning that, uh, unfortunately, Road Warrior Animal, a.k.a. Joseph Laurinaitis, uh, passed away uh, at the age of 60 years old. And I mean... Philip, I don't know about you, but I mean, for me personally, that was very sad, very tough to hear. Just, um, you know, I, uh, real talk, you know, I'm 36 years old. So growing up uh, as a wrestling fan in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, I mean, I was a huge Road Warriors fan of Hawkeye Animal. Uh, obviously, in the early 90s, when they came to WWF, 
they Vince changed their name a little bit. So when they were in the NWA, AWA over in Japan, they were known as the Road Warriors. But when they came to WWF, Vince made a slight change and called them Legion of Doom. But then individually, be Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal. So still acknowledging the Road Warrior name, but it was to describe them individually. So. Uh, yeah, so this, this was definitely very sad for me to hear. Just, I grew up as a huge fan of them and I got to see a lot of their matches as a kid. And so, um, for you, I know you're a little bit younger than me, but nonetheless, you are a wrestling fan. You got to see them wrestle as well. So yeah, just please tell me some of your thoughts uh, about hearing of this unfortunate passing. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's so sad. Like I saw the dude last year at StarCast. He looked like he was in pretty decent shape. You know, when he was walking around, it's, it's, I mean, my introduction to the Road Warriors was when Animal was teaming with Heidenreich <laughs> in 2005. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I've gone back and watched tape. I mean, you, the, the, Austin has, you know, the Austin pop, but before then it was the Road Warrior pop. It's just yeah. this, you know, that music hits the, well, what a rush. And then boom, just this loud roar of people. And I mean, the Doomsday Device, one of the greatest finishes in the history of the business tag or singles. And we got an email from the Bulletcast. I'm going to read it here. It's from okay. a fan. Uh, he goes by Jack of All Trades. Okay. He says, guys, my buddy Jeff and I separated my brother's shoulder with a doomsday device. <laughs> Je- <laughs> Jeff was hawk soaring through the air, and I was animal hoisting my brother on my shoulders. It was so cool until mom came home. R.I.P. Animal, there will never be another. The Road Warriors ride again. Yeah. I mean, heaven, heaven gained one hell of a tag team. I've always said this. Heaven has one hell of a roster up there, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, I know like yesterday, just on social media, everyone uh, posting photos, uh, their version of remembering um, their condolences for, uh, for animal and his family and friends. But uh, it's just sad. Like uh, everyone, as you said, you said Starcast. So a lot of people had photos with animal in recent years because he was very much active making appearances at various conventions and Starcast and other shows. So it was just cool. He was very much out and about and keeping the Road Warrior name uh, alive and well. Unfortunately, Hawk passed away years ago, so he's been kind of doing a lot of stuff solo. And um, um, I mean, it's just 60 years old, so young. I mean, I, at the time of this recording, we haven't heard an exact reason what cause of death is obviously we want to be respectful for their privacy, but I'm sure hopefully maybe we'll get some answers in the near future about what exactly happened because he was posting stuff on social media the day before it looked like on Twitter and his Instagram. He was very much active on Facebook as well. Yeah. Like the day before he had just celebrated a wedding anniversary with yeah. his wife. And then for the next day to pass away, that's, that, that's heartbreaking. It, it makes you just speculate, you know, something must've happened maybe in the middle of the night. I don't know. I, 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 again, I don't want to speculate, just out of respect to him, but, but, uh, yeah, and it's just, God, where to begin? I mean, uh, just a little tease. I told my brother, I want him, since my brother's a big wrestling historian, I told him, uh, come up with five Road Warrior matches that everyone should watch. And, uh, uh, I'll try to, uh, have him debut that reveal his list on the next episode of In the Click. I was about to say, I, I had a list right here. Okay, cool. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah, where, where are some of your, uh, favorite matches? Uh, this is uh, this is a list I got from a wrestling historian on uh, Instagram. He, okay. I mean, it's within the name. He says these are um, his favorite Legion of Doom matches, and I'm going to check some of these out. Okay. Um, it's the Legion of Doom versus uh, Ultimate Warrior and Demolition, Saturday Night's Main Event 1990, NWA, them versus the Steiner Brothers, yeah. Starcade 1989, 
WCW Them versus Harlem Heat from Nitro, February 26th of 1996. AWA Them versus Larry and Kurt Henning. Uh, Portland Wrestling 60th Anniversary Extravaganza. And then an honorable mention is Them versus the Hart Foundation from the WrestleFest 1991 VHS. <laughs> wow, God. Yeah. I mean, they have a long history. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's so much you can focus on as far as like NWA, AWA stuff in Japan. But then even, yeah, in WWF, they have so many matches there alone. So you can like isolate and focus on different eras and periods of time in their career. So, um, God, and it just, I, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, obviously his last name's Laurinaitis. So he has a son who played in the NFL for, for uh, a few years, retired a few years ago. Uh, but also his brother, John Laurinaitis, people power. I mean, they're siblings, so it, it's just just kind of uh, I feel so bad for all of them. And so, and John Laurinaitis, if I remember correctly, he's uh, the Bella Twins' stepfather now, right? If I remember correctly, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that, dude. It's <laughs> uh, it's just crazy. So wait, the Bella Twins—that's is Animal technically like their step uncle then? Yeah, yeah, right. That's, that's, and then. So Daniel those, those Bryan, Thanksgivings must have been crazy. <laughs> I know, like Daniel Bryan and like, uh, God, I mean, God, it just yeah, think about a family reunion of some sorts. The connections all there, but yeah, no, it's just very sad. Like you said, I grew up loving the Road Warriors, and um, just kind of going off the top of my head. I mean, I was going to speak more about it more on this weekend, but I'll just say, yeah, growing up, they're one of my favorite tag teams. And as you said, that finisher was so amazing. You know, Hawk would get on top rope. Animal would have the the opponent on his shoulders, and he would Hawk would jump, leap, and clothesline him. And then Animal would push the legs up in the air. I always was so so concerned. Like, how does people take that move and just fall on their head? Like, how do you land safely? You can't. You're like everyone falls and like lands like cross. You know, head on the ground. I mean, as you, the, uh, the bullcast listener who just said separate his shoulder, I could totally see that. I mean, there's no easy way to take that move. No, and if you've ever seen a Road Warriors match where they don't finish with a doomsday device, it's because the person was too scared to take it. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that story of Vince taking the doomsday device on a bar. Yes, yes. He, yes. he had like too much to drink and then he took it and I think he. Might have like hurt his neck or his arm or something, yeah. but I mean the Road Warriors—they had their dark side of the ring this year. Yeah, so you know you get an insight in, into the tag team and the origins. But I mean, RIP Road Warrior Animal, man. Yeah, th- and that's the thing too. I was gonna say, yeah, if you haven't done so yet, please watch the episode of Dark Side of the Ring talking about the Road Warriors uh, wrestling history. It's, uh, I mean, please, you know, if, if you can't go watch it on Vice TV's website or it's on Hulu now. Seasons one and two are on Hulu. They're streaming now. Uh, so it's part of season two. So please watch it. Uh, I don't want to encourage anyone, but you know, it is on YouTube. If you want to search it out, it is there. I, cause a friend of mine was asking about it and I told him to check it out. So, but please, you know, if you can't go through the proper channels, watch it on Vice or Hulu, just that way it helps the TV show and the networks out in that way confirms why they need to have a season three just more hits uh and downloads through the right channels um but yeah no that episode i mean unfortunately hawk passed away like i said years ago but animal was alive for it and so he was able to tell their story him and paul ellering and so uh it was cool you watch that and he's able to explain their history so it was very cool that we have at least documented animal telling his story about the road war so that's very cool and uh just attributes online, just, uh, oh my God, just, uh, Paul Ellering, uh, his tweet of saying, um, 
you know, goodbye to his friend and, uh, uh, Hawk is, oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about, it, but he says, uh, uh, Hawk is waiting for him right now up in heaven. So I was like, oh God. And then just people taking like action figures and, you know, all the wrestlers who passed away had these action figures and it looks like it's a heaven setting and animals pulling up on a motorcycle. So just all these various tributes with action figures and toys and the artwork. And it's just like, Oh, Bret Hart as well. Oh, that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll look for some of the best, uh, uh, tweets and stuff, but Bret Hart just saying, you know, uh, animals up there with all the boys now, once again, so, oh, just like, I'm getting, you know, it's just sad thinking about it, but, uh, and you look, you look at that eighties time frame like Hogan and Flair are the only ones left. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, uh, trying to think who else as far as uh, the the older guys it, it, it's sad i mean even bret hart bret hart in many ways is the only one left of his generation uh i mean so yeah there's like hogan flares that era bret hart's era in the middle right there and then like hall nash the guys from like the 90s sting all that so yeah we're at this weird period of all these guys are just unfortunately passing away still and it's just sad um, but yeah, the road warriors itself, they were just badass, awesome, big tag team come out, you know, when they were in NWA come out to black Sabbath, Iron Man, and the crowd would just pop, but like, they were just big monsters and tear everyone apart. So, uh, but yeah, please do yourself a favor. Watch some of those matches that Philip just listed off a second ago. So RIP road warrior animal. Thank you so much for all the great wrestling memories. So, all right, let's go. Let's turn things around a bit and let's go ahead and jump in and talk about AEW from the last uh, couple weeks. Uh, so last week, we'll just touch on just a couple of the highlights from last week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, first things first, we got to give a big shout out to our boy, Bay Area native, Will Hobbs. It was officially announced before Dynamite last week. They had the special uh, All Elite graphic made. Will Hobbs officially signed with All Elite Wrestling. So, Phil, please just give me your thoughts. And, yeah, big congrats to Will Hobbs for uh, officially signing with them. I'm so happy for that dude, man. I mean, he's been on the Bullet Cast and just a, a class act. I mean, at every show, he's shaking hands with everybody. He'll go up and talk to you and chop it up with you for a little bit before or after his match. I used to watch that guy with a blue mohawk wrestle in the APW garage as Will Rude and to come yeah. up to where, to where he's at now, man. That's that's awesome. I'm incredibly happy for that dude. Yeah, it just shows, you know, hard work does pay off. And when uh, when your time comes, take advantage and jump at it, jump at it. And, you know, we talked about Will Hobbs quite frequently in the last couple months just because he's been making a lot of appearances for them. You're starting off kind of as like security for Britt Baker and then having matches on AEW Dark and then having an appearance at the Casino Battle Royale where he dominated really well there and now officially signed. And then, well, as we saw... Uh, last week's episode of Dynamite, he had a pretty high, uh, what's the word? High, uh, um, oh my God, like not high power. Why am I totally spacing? But you know, a high high spot. Yeah. Like a, like a high profile, high profile. Thank you. High profile. When he, uh, made the run in on Cajun starts to save Moxley. I mean, saving the world champion of a promotion. That's you're destined for some uh, some main event time. Yeah, no, it's so cool. So yeah, just uh, we saw uh, 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 you know Jake the Snake, Taz, Lance Archer in the ring, uh, and they were kind of more or less deciding that they're going to work together. And as you said, Moxley comes out to accept the challenge, but Starks and Brian Cage jump him. Will Hobbs comes out, like I said, makes the save with the chair, beats him up. <laughs> Moxley and listen, Moxley, I know he's from Ohio, lives in Las Vegas. 
probably doesn't spend too much time in the Bay Area, doesn't know all the cities and different parts of the Bay Area. But he said, I got my man Will Hobbs, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, out of Oakland, <laughs> from East Palo Alto. Like, uh, is that the quote, right? Is that what he said? Or- I think he said Oakland violence yeah. and then from East Palo Alto. Yes, he said Oakland's most violent from East Palo Alto, Will Hobbs. And it's like, I mean, we don't know. Hobbs could have spent some time in Oakland. Okay, maybe. That's the thing. Maybe we need to get Will Hobbs on again and maybe can at least explain himself or defend John Moxley there. But, but yeah, for anyone who lives in the Bay Area, we know East Palo Alto and Oakland are on opposite sides of the Bay Area. Oakland's in the East Bay. Palo Alto is on the other side of the Bay as far as uh, uh, the, penins- the southern part of the peninsula right before you head into the South Bay. So it's two different parts of the Bay Area. So, I mean, yeah, he's probably spent a lot of time in Oakland over the years, you know, driving through it, whatnot. But, uh, but no, Will is very vocal. He's from East Palo Alto. So at least Moxley said that part, but trying to connect the two is like, no, no, that's a little bit of a stretch. That's like, uh, like, uh, in baseball. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, the Anaheim Angels, now they call themselves the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. So they're trying to like, encompass two different parts of southern california into one so uh but nonetheless uh super happy for will hobbs congrats to him once again and uh looking forward to see what he can get into and i say uh unfortunately we'll get into with this week's episode so we thought we were going to have a six-man tag of uh moxley hobbs and darby allen uh um uh, taking on uh, uh, Lance Archer, Cage, and Ricky Starks. That unfortunately did not happen this week, and we'll get into the details in a little bit. Uh, so, no, congrats to him. Also, we saw Thunder Rosa, the NWA Women's Champion, take on Eva Lee's in a match that got a lot of attention last week. Uh, long story short, kind of a little bit, I want to say not the most smooth match, and it very much turned into a shoot fight out there. Uh, just, Philip, your thoughts on this match, how it played out. Oh, well, I didn't know it was a shoot until somebody told me. I'm like, wait, what? So I had to go back and watch. I'm like, okay, yeah, those are those are some stiff shots. You know, the look on Thunder Rosa's face, her expression clearly changed after Ivelisse kicked. She's like, oh, okay, we're doing that. Let me give you a receipt real quick. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. That, that's I knew something was up because when I was watching it live, it, it looked like the beginning of the match, they weren't on the same page. And, like, Ivelisse was trying to, like, slap her, but, like, she, she like, stopped in mid throw of her arm and hand. And then she finally pushed her and like, it looked like they were not on the same page and not like, uh, it wasn't the most smooth transition from move to move. So I was like, okay, there might be a little bit of a communication error here. Something's going on. And then later on, yeah, we saw some kicks, some, uh, Thunder Rosa. It was during a commercial break, but they had the picture in picture, but then someone isolated and put on Twitter, uh, Thunder Rosa you know, had a hard gut punch on Eva Lisa in the stomach. And, but there was other moments. So apparently rumor is, uh, Thunder Rosa was getting mad that Eva Lisa was not selling for her. And then when I rewatched it, I can see what it was. There were some moments where Eva Lisa would like get a punch and not react to it or not even show any facial expressions. There was one point where she was sitting in the corner and Thunder Rosa came for a kick and Thunder Rosa didn't even like sell it. She didn't like react to it. And there's other moments where she's just sitting there like just uh, expressionless and just waiting for the move to happen. I even retweeted a couple. If you go to at in the click on Twitter, you can see Eva Lee. She's just like sitting there and Thunder Rosa puts her arms around her and she, and, uh, um, 
uh, uh, we call it where you, uh, Philip, where you put your arms under them. Uh, oh, full Nelson. Yeah, full Nelson. And even she's just sitting there, kind of motionless, and just throws up her arms and acts like she doesn't want to be there. So there's there's moments in the match where she's not showing a lot of expression, not reacting to what Thunder Rose is doing to her, and just sitting there, just as she's just waiting for the next move to happen. So. I don't know. It sucks. So, I mean, and when that happens, we know wrestlers will react and start, you know, slapping and punching and stretching their opponent as a way of like, wake up, like get into it. Like we, we got to match it. We got to entertain these people. So I feel bad for Thunder Rosa. Uh, so it, it's, and apparently there's rumors like it got, like there was some, uh, uh, stuff going on backstage afterwards. Ivelisse, what I think was told to leave or something. I'm not quite sure. I don't know too much about Ivelisse's background. I know she's been in various promotions over the years, but there's been rumors that she's had some attitude issues. Yeah, I was about to say, I think she's another Tessa Blanchard. I think she's another one of the, the attitude kids. <laughs> and not not fans of the attitude era, per se. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's unfortunate. And so for me, it, it, it's, listen, I don't know Ivelisse. I never met her, never talked to her before. But when I see that and hear that, it's like, Ivelisse if, if I, am I correct, Phil? She's not officially signed with AEW, right? Like, she hasn't had the official little All Elite graphic made. No, she's just there on, like, an appearance-by-appearance appearance basis. So, that's my thing, man. It's like, listen, I don't know what her goals are or, or what her plans are, but we're in a pandemic and people are looking for jobs. And so, I don't know if she wants to be with AEW full-time, but nonetheless, you know, kind of be on your best behavior if you want to get a contract from someone. So that's just my little advice for her. I know Thunder Rosa, she's still with the NWA, and she's also kind of in a similar situation as far as appearance-by-appearance thing. She's almost being kind of rented out, uh, which is awesome because I love seeing her appear with the AEW right now. But for Eva Lisa's sake, like, don't become uh, an issue. Like, do your best, go out there, work these great matches, perform, and hopefully you can get a contract out of it. But, you know, don't be a, a sour, sour grape right now. So I don't know. Like I said, I mean, this is all speculation, what we've been seeing on TV and reading online. So, but nonetheless, it was, it was seeing a match like that. I was like, ooh, it was like, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, seeing them kind of go at it a little more seriously, shoot style. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see how this plays out and we can follow up on that with their match this week. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, for last week's episode, the main event. The parking lot fight, best friends taking on Santana Ortiz. I thoroughly enjoyed it. People online were raving about it. Philip, what were your thoughts on it? It was fine. It wasn't eight stars like Dave Meltzer said. Um, you know, I think this was the best use of Santana and Ortiz in a very long time, but yet they didn't win. Yes, and that's they're, a- they're approaching Bray Wyatt territory. Great showing, but you don't win. Yeah, and that's something we talked about quite frequently on the last uh, handful of episodes of. Uh, of uh, this podcast as far as you know they go out there they cut a great promo they put on great matches but then they're not winning so they're kind of losing their momentum as a legit threat in the tag team division which is arguably the greatest tag team division in all of pro wrestling in the world so you worry that are they going to become really uh, um, uh, they're just going to fall to the sideline and all these other teams are just going to go past them so you don't want to see them uh, lose become obscure in that sense uh no but overall the match itself was very fun as far as the cars in a circular uh setup out there and then the members of the roster standing alongside cheering them on i thoroughly enjoyed it i thought it was great a lot of great spots in this match uh i think uh 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 was it jerry flynn right uh the ecw legend 
Uh, oh, Jerry Lynn? Jerry Lynn. Why is that always Flynn? Uh, yeah, no, Jerry Lynn, excuse me. Uh, Jerry the, Lynn, uh, I, he helped uh, uh, kind of plan this match, uh, match out. But I love that they had, uh, you know, weapons kind of spread out all over the place. They uh, were using different cars. They were using hoods of the cars to attack on each other, jump on each other. It was very fun. And it's definitely one of, the, I think, the better street fights of all time. Um but I know a lot of people say, oh, it's the greatest one ever. I was like, whoa, 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 hold up. Like, It's it's not Eddie versus Cena. Let's calm down. Yeah, it's like, listen, I know there's always these type of matches. There's always a recency bias. Like, it's fresh in our minds. But, you know, take a step back. And, you know, you probably haven't seen some of these other street fights in a long time. So, um it's definitely in the conversation, but it's definitely not the greatest one. But I had so much fun. And then the, the very end, uh, we saw Orange Cassidy jump out of a trunk, which actually, if you watch it closely, uh, Chucky e. T, he's on the ground and you, you see him like pressing the key button. Cause the first one I saw, I was like, who opened the trunk? How did Orange Cassidy get in there? But then I watched it again and you see Chucky e. T as he's laying on the ground. He hits the button on the keys, like he's frantically pushing it. And finally, Orange Cassidy, the trunk opens up and he jumps out from it and helps out uh, his best friends and uh, beat up Santana Ortiz. And then they get the victory. And then uh, shout out to Trent, who took that spot on the front glass. His his back was all cut up and bleeding. And uh, uh, the finish as well was also awesome. But then they walk off, the three of them, and then Sue comes up in a new white minivan, Trent's mom. They jump in, and she drives off, stops, rolls down the window, and flips off Santana Ortiz. And then they drive off, and that ends uh, last week's episode of Dynamite. So very way, nice bow <laughs> to wrap up that storyline, that feud there, especially that episode of Dynamite. So very cool, and uh, yeah, and a lot of fun. So uh, that was a very fun match. And um, uh, yeah, looking for, for me, that really got me fall in love again with best friends because best friends were like they've been around but now it's like okay i i'm digging best friends again they really kind of got my interest in them again and unfortunately the opposite for santana ortiz they're kind of losing their momentum right now overall in this tag team division uh also so this week on tuesday night there was a special late night dynamite uh on tnt they were calling it late night dynamite it came on right after uh the nba playoffs were done for the night Kind of like a special one-off. I guess, uh, Philip, from my understanding, it was just kind of take advantage of probably the big audience that tunes in ratings-wise to watch the NBA playoffs on TNT. So it was a special hour-long episode here. Uh, we don't have to go super in talks about it, but uh, long story short, we saw Scorpio Sky defeat Ben Carter, Anna Jay from the Dark Order defeat Brandy Rhodes, and then Sean Spears defeat Matt Seidel in the main event. Uh, just kind of just overall thoughts on uh, Late Night Dynamite for this week. Uh, glorified AEW Dark. Yes, exactly. I was watching this. I was like, it just feels like Dark as far as uh, they didn't have, I, I believe, no fans in attendance. It was just the the roster around the ring like they have been. Uh, but Chris Jericho on commentary, he's always golden there, so that was fun. And then um, uh, I thought the opening match was probably the best one out of all three. Uh, I don't know much about Ben Carter, but, you know, UK wrestler, High flyer, very athletic, and I thought that match with Scorpio Sky was awesome. Like Ben Carter, he was very much like hyper in the ring, full of energy, very athletic, doing all these big spots. But Scorpio Sky, the veteran and the very athletic performer himself, he was great at just countering 
everything being thrown at him. So it was a very entertaining match and looking forward to see more from Ben Carter. Unfortunately, he didn't announce on social media today. He has COVID right now. So he's going to have to quarantine and get over this over the next couple of weeks. So unfortunately, he had some other bookings lined up. He has to pass on. But uh, so we wish him a speedy recovery. But uh, yeah, anything else from uh, Late Night Dynamite you want to mention? Ben Carter, that guy's going to be a star. He he reminds me of Brian Kendrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So looking forward to that. And I hope they do this more often. I, I, I would love to know what's their filming schedule. Like, when did they film this episode of Late Night Dynamite? Because Dark, like this week's Dark was like an hour and 40 minutes. So it's like, I know they try to film two episodes of Dynamite uh, every other week. So like what we saw last night was live. And then I, I don't know if it's today or last night. They film next week's episode of Dynamite, and then they film. I, I was like, when did they record Dark? Because Dark, like I said, is almost as long as Dynamite, and they're recording Late Night Dynamite. So, do they spend like two or three days just filming a bunch of stuff in the can and just release them over the span of a couple weeks? So, I would love to know like the production details. That's just the the uh, wrestling geek in me wants to know about that stuff. All right, let's jump into this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. So we'll run through uh, all the highlights from this episode. So Philip, just kind of your initial thoughts from uh, this week's episode. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was decent. It was fine. There were some things that did make me chuckle, like the um, Isaiah Cassidy saying that he's going to make Chris Jericho. He's a Le champion bitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MJF and uh, Chris Jericho, their little, interaction together i thought that was pretty funny and uh yeah i mean that's really it we saw a big return yeah absolutely so i'm with you like uh some highlights some lowlights as well it's like and this is something i just kind of noticed i forgot where i heard this but dynamite or aw in this pandemic area since they've been uh pandemic era i should say uh as far as when they've been working at uh, Daly's place in Jacksonville, it, it's like the episode that's live has uh, a lot of mishaps. But then the, the second episode, the following week that they pre-record, that's usually the better episode. So I don't know if, if they're able to edit stuff better and make it more smooth. But anyway, that, it's just that's something I've noticed because, like I said, they film two episodes at a time every other week. So the first episode's live is not as good as the second episode. So that's that's an interesting observation. That's something I was trying to keep track of when I'm watching Dynamite week to week. Um but yeah, I'm with you. The, the, it wasn't the best episode. There was some good stuff here, and just kind of uh, you know more future storytelling here. So uh, first things first, the first segment we saw the AEW in ring debut of the best man Miro teaming up with Super Bad Kip Sabian and taking on Joey Janela and Sunny Kiss. So yeah, just your thoughts on this opening matchup here. It happened. Yeah, you know, it didn't. It didn't move me. You know, I mean, Miro and Sabian beat Kiss and uh, Janela, Janela, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, it was. Uh, not everyone was on the same page. It was a little bit of a botch fest, and I'm sure uh, Botchamania is going to have some fun highlights to play with here. Uh, Miro at one point, Janela threw him outside, and he landed. Either it was an amazing sell job, or he legit hurt his ankle. Uh, he kind of fell out the ring awkwardly, and he jumped up, and you see his face was in real pain. And he was like immediately jumping on one leg and like hurt his ankle. And then at one point, uh, Janela came out and he throws him on the other side and then Miro throws Kip Sabian into Janela, but, uh, he throws his partner and he lands on the concrete and Joe Janela's like, you can hear him tell Kip Sabian, like, are you okay? So it was just like 
a lot of botches here. Um, not the best match. So it just, yeah, it was just unfortunate. Uh, it was cool seeing, like I said, Miro get his debut. He looks awesome. Looks jacked in the ring. Being a monster, but uh, just glad it's over with now. So we'll see what happens next for everyone involved. Uh, next, we saw Eddie Kingston come right out to the ring. So, okay. Uh, before Dynamite happened, it was announced. Lance Archer went on Twitter to announce he tested positive for COVID-19. And he explained, I guess, uh, a family member of his uh, was around a friend of theirs who had covid and this person was driving um, this family member around, taking their dog to the vet, and unfortunately was exposed to COVID-19 and then passed it over to Lance. So he tested positive. He wasn't on the show this week, and I'm sure he's going to spend a couple weeks at home to recover as well. So speedy recoveries to Lance Archer. So the main event that we thought we were going to get didn't happen. So as a make good, it was announced Moxley was going to defend the title against Eddie Kingston. And it actually works out because Eddie Kingston for the last couple of weeks said he wasn't properly eliminated from the casino battle Royale. So he deserves a title shot, which, which is actually true. You can go back and watch it. He never actually went over the top rope. Exactly. He, w- he was on the apron and then he got knocked off because of the snake and all that other BS. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean the, um, I, I think I think his promo was very good. You know, Eddie Kingston's a great talker. Mm-hmm. Watch his stuff in the NWA going up against the Pope. He he, yeah. hear, he here said Moxley and I we used to be cut from the same cloth, but you know he sold out and went to the land of sports entertainers, <laughs> which you know shot at WWE and their lingo and jargon. And uh, <laughs> you know Moxley just came out and stared him in the face like, okay, all right. I don't think Moxley cut a promo after this either. He's just like. Dude, I'm going to whoop your ass tonight. Okay, let, yeah. let's do this. Yeah. So it was great recovery, and I'm glad they were able to kind of come up with this on the fly. I just feel bad overall for Will Hobbs because just got signed. Last week he was on this high of being signed. Everyone here in the Bay Area was showing him a lot of love. Everyone online just across the wrestling family in America and everywhere else was showing him a lot of love. So it was going to be cool. He was going to be in the main event of this week's Dynamite with the champion, but unfortunately, it didn't happen. So hopefully, they do a make good at some point for Will Hobbs. Like I, I really want to see him on a main event, uh, an episode of Dynamite. So, but nonetheless, Kingston Moxley, cool. Love this segment. Kind of get everyone hyped up. You know, <laughs> since it was announced last minute, this was a way to kind of get hyped up for the end of the show. Uh, we saw Hangman Adam Page take on Evil Uno of the Dark Order. He got the victory. Kenny Omega was on commentary once again, just kind of poking the bear. I mean, it, you, you, the breakup is inevitable now at this point. Uh, Kenny Omega is very much focused on, keeps talking about wanting to be a singles competitor now. So that's the story they're going to tell. I just don't know when he's going to officially attack Heyman and Page to really solidify that they're done. No longer a tag team. So we'll see how this goes. Even at, once again, as, as the match is over, Kenny Omega dashes out away, gets uh, runs out through the tunnel. So yeah, we'll see when this plays out. Uh, Tony Schiavone this time around. Yes, Philip. I will say this, Evil Uno, his finishing name needs to be Draw 4. Wow. <laughs> or Wild Card or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, but real quick, also, we saw Tony Schiavone backstage uh, looking to interview the Young Bucks. And he talks to Matt Jackson. And he was a little worried because he saw what happened to uh, uh, Alex Marvez last week. Get the super kick. But Matt Jackson comes out and says, no, no, man, man, man. It's all good. Like I'm not going to attack you. We like you. We know you. Um so they're talking, but then he takes his cell phone, takes Shivani's cell phone, and just smashes it against the door. 
I was like, oh, man. But then he gives them a bunch of money. So I like how the Young Bucks are being dicks or, quote, being edgier. But every time they do something, they immediately pay it off. So I think it's kind of a cool move as far as, yeah, we do what we want. We got the money to back it up. So, like, they have the freedom to be obnoxious and then pay for it. And so uh, it's kind of cool. It gives them that extra bit of power. Um, And then next up, we saw the TNT Championship match. We saw the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee of the Dark Order, taking on freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. And, uh, man, this was a pretty hard-hitting match, Philip. How about uh, how about you? I like this. You know, they, they had me believe that Orange Cassidy was going to win for a second. I really did think so. I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to do it. I mean, he's taking out all these members of the Dark Order. And I liked his uh, – whenever Brody Lee would go for the discus Larry, he, he would just fall right down, kind of the lazy, just fall down. It reminded me of when um, Okada would go for the – Rainmaker on Kenny Omega and Omega would just collapse due to exhaustion. But yeah. in this case, Orange Cassidy's laziness. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I really did enjoy that. But all in all, Mr. Brody Lee, he wins. He retains the championship of America's greatest network. And then. <laughs> yes. The return. Oh, my God. Of the American Nightmare. Cody Rhodes. So that's the big thing. It was like, yeah, this was a great match itself. And then uh, Dark Order distracted Orange Cassidy, and I helped Brody Lee get the victory. Brody Lee's been awesome. I-, I don't know about you. I don't watch Being Elite on the regular basis, but I guess on recent episodes, Brody Lee and the rest of the Dark Order have been very entertaining, and I think I've really add a whole new layer to their characters and their personalities. So I'm going to try to get back to watching those on the regular because it really sounds like you need to watch Being Elite to kind of – see some of these extra storylines and really helps you get emotionally more involved and caught up in these characters on the roster. So, uh, but apparently Brody Lee's been awesome on there and, and everyone's been very funny and entertaining, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, got the victory here, retained the title, but yeah, uh, the music or the, the whole place goes dark and we see this music playing and I'm like listening to it. I'm like, that kind of sounds familiar. The music, a little bit of a different tone. Uh, and then sure enough, it's, uh, Cody Rhodes makes his big return, comes out, uh, dark black suit, got like a little chain hanging over the chest, very styling, profiling. Uh, but the biggest takeaway, he dyed his hair black again or dark brown. I look very much black in this case, but, uh, Philip, you look very, uh, uh, upset. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a strawberry blonde Cody Rhodes. I do, man. I, 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 I liked, I liked bleach blonde Cody. I was digging it. Dude, it's interesting. And, uh, uh, shout out to Tim from Pro Wrestling Unlimited. He tweeted out, it's so weird. Like, we saw Cody for what? A decade in WWE with dark hair. Like, we've seen him with it for such a long period of time. But yet, on last night's episode of Dynamite, it was very shocking to see him with dark hair. Because in recent, the last couple of years, we've seen him with blonde hair. So it was, even though it theoretically should not be that shocking, it still was very surprising. I talked to uh, Cindy from NoDQ.com, and she said he looked like a vampire. <laughs> vampire well yeah i, I, I guess because of the, the the darkness but well, i don't know man i, I kind of like this you know the dark order they they brought a darker edgier side to cody rhodes i mean this guy used to be the prince of dark matter when he was stardust yeah you know, maybe maybe tapping into that a little bit well that's the thing too is i want and then uh i don't know if it's still for sale right now but for like 24 hours there was like a death of the american nightmare shirt on pro wrestling com. it was cody rhodes's uh, symbol, but covering red, and it was like bleeding blood type look. Uh, I thought about getting it, um, but I hate when they do that for 24 hours only. So they're really trying to force you to decide on the fly to get it or not. But 
a lot of people are saying, oh, it's Cody and his emo look right now and all this stuff. <laughs> I saw a meme and some it was said somebody should have told Cody my chemical romance had to reschedule for 2021. I know. I'm <laughs> bummed. I thought I was going to see uh, my chemical romance this year. I got to wait next year. So I'm with you, Cody. I'm with you waiting on that tour. But uh, it's very cool to see Cody back kicking ass. I just let me ask you this. Do you think he's going to jump right back into a program with Brody Lee and they're going to wrestle again a rematch? And do you want to see Cody win and get back the championship? Or do you think Brody Lee needs to keep it? I think they wrestle again and Brody Lee barely scrapes by. Like he barely escapes with the TNT title. Yeah. So I, I like what you said, though, as far as, okay. Cody's a little bit darker now, not so much the hair, but just his, maybe his tone, his body language, because Brody, being against Brody Lee really changed him. That beatdown he took, what, five weeks ago? I can't believe it's been that long now. But, it, yeah, it was on that Saturday night edition of Dynamite, the same weekend as uh, TakeOver and SummerSlam. But uh, it changed him. So I was like, oh, wow, kind of similar as far as, like, the Fiend Bray Wyatt on WWE. Like if well, you, I was if, I was just about to say that. Yeah, if you challenge him or take on him and lose, you become a changed person. So I, I like that type of storyline. Hopefully, it's just Cody, and they don't they don't do that for everybody because then people are going to be like, "Oh, you're copying WWE. Yeah. You take all their talent, then you're gonna." But you can never please anyone. Yeah, I know it's wrestling fans. <laughs> you can never please them. But yeah, I, mean, I I I would love to see how this plays out. But then I wonder. The fallout from this rivalry will it lead to Cody going to more of a dark side, very much like Star Wars esque, and will it lead to finally this rumored new generation of four horsemen that he was alluding to? So is this where the beginning of him changing? Like he's pissed at his own family for not being there for him, and and, and he's going to find a new family to work with him. I don't know. So it's very exciting. Uh, but then right afterwards, we saw Dasha do a backstage interview with a very upset Brody Lee. Dude, this promo was awesome. Uh, I forgot who it was. Someone from Wrestling Inc. said, oh, it felt very much like a promo from the NWA in the 80s. But dude, Brody Lee throwing out some shade against Cody Rhodes, calling out. It's like, dude, where have you been for the last five weeks? You've been having other people fight your battles. Your wife is posting thirst pictures on social media, calling me daddy. Like, uh, dude, his promo was awesome. And like, God, Brody Lee has turned to such a gem. Like, who would have thought, like, when he initially uh, premiered or debuted with AEW, like, oh, leader Dark Horror kind of looked a little cheesy, but now. In that time, the last six plus months, he's really come around as like probably one of the the favorites or most popular characters in AEW. It, it, it's amazing. Absolutely, man. I mean, Luke Harper doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I told you this or I've, I told this publicly. So uh, years ago, you know, I was at uh, WrestleMania here in the Bay Area, WrestleMania 31, and we were at Access, Jimbo and I, and we were going around trying to do some interviews on the fly. Uh, with some of the wrestlers at their signings, um, we saw Luke Harper doing a signing, and we asked, "Hey, can we talk to Luke Harper?" And we were told, "No, he doesn't talk." And I, that always stuck with me. As far as I was like, "Oh, dude, is he just not a good speaker? Like he's just a wrestler, but he's not good at talking, doing promos." But no, I guess the powers that be just didn't want him doing interviews or press. So it, it's amazing now. We're seeing a side of him that we never got to see when he was in WWE, a side of him. So not only is he being like a powerhouse 
performer in the ring, he is also just so entertaining on the microphone. And so it just kind of shows sometimes how some promotions don't know how to uh, properly utilize their talent to the fullest. And so it's very cool and refreshing to see people thrive in other promotions. And Brody Lee's making the best of it. So kudos to him. Uh, so that promo, if you haven't watched that promo, watch it. Uh, next up, we saw Matt Hardy and Private Party come out to the ring. Matt Hardy cut out a promo and was talking about last week's episode of Dynamite where he was attacked and he said he was beat up with you know, like a bat or some sort of pole. He took his knee out. Uh, last week we saw Jake Hager and Chris Jericho come running up and say, Hey, are you okay? All that, like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but like, Oh, that sucks. Someone beat you up. And they were just kind of laughing and ran off. And so Matt Hardy cut a promo saying he thinks Chris Jericho is his number one suspect for attacking him. Uh, from behind, taking out his leg. Um, Jericho comes out. The rest of the inner circle comes out. Sammy Guevara makes his big return. And he told him, dude, you're wrong. Like, if I'm going to attack you, I'm going to attack you uh, in front of you. You're going to see me coming. I would not attack someone from behind like that. So it's not me. Uh, and then uh, they're going back and forth. And then, uh, Philip, who was it? Which one of them uh, from Private Party challenged Chris Jericho? I'm a... Uh, it was um, it was Marcus Quinn challenged him first, but then Isaiah Cassidy was like, no, 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 I got this. And then he called him what, Le Champion Bitch? Or yeah, yeah. I would have preferred it if he called him Lay Bitch. That would have been funnier, but uh, yeah, yeah you know. keep it short. Uh, so yeah, so, you're on that promo and uh, ask you, do you think who, who actually uh, took out Matt Hardy? See, I li- I like the Who Done It angle. You know, it's kind of like Who Shot Jr. from Dallas or. Who shot Mr. Burns or yes. who was the Salem stalker on Days of Our Lives? You know, stuff, st- stuff, stuff like that. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to really look at the roster. I'll, I'll have an answer for you next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. My thing is, it's like, okay, of course, the easy answer is Chris Jericho because he has a baseball bat. But it's like Chris Jericho said, like, I would attack you from the front. You would see me coming. And I think it would be way too easy to make a Chris Jericho. It's too obvious. They got to do a little deeper. Um, like my initial reaction was maybe it's Kenny Omega, the cleaner. He's going around tacking people on the roster. But then again, it's like, I know he's busy with hangman Adam page. So I was like, ah, man, it doesn't make sense for that. Um, so I'm, and then, but then the, the thing that's also interesting was, so when private party were on the ground last week, trying to help Matt Hardy. And I forgot who was it. Was it Marvez or someone came up to the microphone and said, Hey, what happened here? And they didn't have an answer for him. They're like, I, I don't know. Like they, they kind of were trying to play it off. Like they had no idea what happened to him, even though I think they were supposed to allegedly trying to say that you, but you were with him. So I don't know. I wonder if it was a member of private party and this is their way of breaking off from Matt Hardy and maybe potentially going heel. I don't know. I mean, maybe Private Party, by turning heel, this will kind of elevate them and change up their character a bit and maybe get more screen time that way. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how this uh, plays out. But, yeah, it's very much whodunit. And my thought, as you said, Dallas, uh, uh, who shot JR, and then also Mr. Burns from Simpsons. But remember Enzo and Cass did this as well a couple years ago? And Cass was the one yeah. who attacked Enzo. So kind of very similar, you know, that type of story there. Which is fine by me. It's always that mystery, that element of surprise. It's always good. It was always good. Um, next up, we saw, uh, FTR along with Tolly Blanchard come out to the ring. Um, kind of an awkward segment with Tolly Blanchard. Um, 
but they are uh, pretty much, you know, are challenging people. And then we saw best friends come out, coming off their victory from last week in the parking lot fight. And they had some back and forth, but they want to challenge him for a match. It was funny. FTR was telling Trent, like, your mom can't come help you now. And um, FTR said, like, they're willing to challenge people. Uh, it was a 20 minute max match. And if, if it's a, if the match ends with no decision, FTR still gets a victory. If, if I remember oh, correctly. the, uh, the 20 minute brush with greatness. Yes. Yeah. So once 20 minutes has elapsed in the match, if you haven't beaten FTR, then they automatically win. Yeah. Good for them. So in this situation, I mean, best friends <laughs> sacrificed their bodies last week. So I think it's cool that they, I think it's very cool that they've jumped up and now get a, a title opportunity here. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, for FTR, that's their next opponent right now. That's cool. So uh, I'm digging that. So I don't know if that's when's that going to play out, if it's going to be next week or in a following episode, if they're going to build up to it, maybe for the next pay-per-view. I'm not quite sure, but okay, that, that's going to be, uh, I think, an interesting matchup here. And then uh, a couple things left from this week's episode of Dynamite I want to touch on. So uh, we saw the AEW Women's Champion, uh, Hikaru Shida, and the NWA Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa, team up here to take on AEW's women's tag team cup winners, Ivelisse and Diamante. And so this is definitely a continuation from last week's episode that we talked about with Thunder Rosa and Ivelisse and uh, Thunder Rosa is teaming up against her opponent from All Out in Sheeta. And I, I really enjoyed this match. Philip, how about you? What do you think of this uh, matchup here? Oh, I, I thought it, I thought it was pretty good. It looks like everybody was on the same page here. Yeah, thank God, <laughs> thank God. Yeah, you know, um, there, there were there was no shoot fighting or whatever. I mean, all in all, the champs they they got the win over the uh, the tag team tournament winners. So yeah. I, I, I think I think it worked out for everybody. It's funny. So they're the tag team cup winners, but they don't actually have a cup or a trophy. They have medals. So I thought like they might get like an actual cup like a stanley cup type trophy but they got medals instead it's and like i guess that's cool versus like maybe tag team titles like a championship belt or something uh but yeah no i I felt like there were parts uh still a little off i mean i like sheeta and thunder rosa teaming up and then when they got the victory at the end i like that pose of both of them holding up their respective titles very cool i hope maybe they get a rematch between the two of them at some point because i enjoyed their match from all out maybe at the next AEW pay-per-view or maybe on a future episode of NWA power, whenever that comes back or maybe on a, on their rematch can be on NWA's territory. Some at some point, that'd be very cool. More cross promotion there. But, um, still, there was another little botch sequence. So Ivelisse tagged in herself from Diamante, uh, but then she didn't know what what move to do, so she stalled and then like still missed her her spots. I tweeted out the video on uh in the click on Twitter if you want to see it. So, Ivelisse, these last couple of weeks in a matchup with Dunder Rose in some capacity, her, her it hasn't been completely smooth for her. So I, I hope Ivelisse turned things around because, like I said, if you want a contract with AEW, you know I I want to see her perform better. Like I'm a fan of Ivelisse. I think she's great in the ring. She's very talented, has a lot of work and other promotions. And I think she could really help out the women's division. But just, you know, it's just been a little sloppy the last couple weeks. So I really want to see her get better. Um, but on the overall, very exciting match. And uh, yeah, and I'm looking forward to uh, see all these women compete more. I, I think the women's division um, 
with all the injuries that we talked about in the past, I think these women are really doing an amazing job just kind of uh, boosting up that division and making it a lot better. Uh, and last but not least was the main event, AEW World Champion John Moxley taking on Eddie Kingston here. Very last minute situation we have here, but nonetheless, uh, turned to, uh, as JR said, or has said in the past, a slobber knocker. But Philip, your thoughts on this main event here? Uh, it didn't. I don't think it even went like too long. I think it's like ten minutes. That's fine. Yeah, that's ab- absolutely fine. I mean, Moxley won with the uh, the blood choke. That's how we beat Kingston. Didn't need a paradigm shift here. Should have done that at uh, all out, and he wouldn't have violated the agreement. But that's it's it's whatever. It's whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, no, no, keep going. No, I was just gonna say it, it's uh, it's interesting. Like he's mixing it up and doing the submission holds now as well. So it's uh, 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 was Excalibur called it the Bulldog Choke as well. I mean, it was just different names for it. But so that's pretty cool seeing him do that, uh, doing the chop offs against each other. Eddie Kingston really laid into him, and it's cool. Like Eddie Kingston acknowledging they do have history together before. Uh, Moxley became Dean Ambrose in WWE. So just acknowledging that history. So for all, any long-term wrestling fans, connecting the dots that way, the Easter eggs there. Uh, so for a last minute, last minute, uh, match, I thought it was, it was really solid. Uh, very entertaining here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's what these kind of lesser value, I don't want to say lesser value, but the dynamites that aren't really good. You know, the main events will be good to solid, but on uh, a, a higher profile dynamite, they'll be really, really good, you know? You know? Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. And then at the end, so it ended a little early. Like, I looked at the clock, and it was like uh, like three minutes till the top of the hour. And so we saw it turned to a little bit of chaotic ending there. Uh, we saw... Uh, um, uh, oh my God! Who uh, Ricky Starks come out? Uh, we saw uh, Will Hobbs come out, dude. Will Hobbs with that. Uh, um, oh my God! Spinebuster. Spinebuster was on Ricky Starks. I'm trying to remember. It who. was. I think it was on Ray Phoenix. Oh, Ray Phoenix. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, dude. That is so awesome. Like, I mean, growing up, Arn Anderson always had the best Spinebuster, but dude, Will Hobbs. He might be my new favorite now in current times. Like, not enough people use that move. Like, that move always looked awesome to me. Like, growing up, I've always been a huge fan of power bombs, spine busters, like these big moves where you lift someone up and just slam them to the ground. Like, I I, I love those type of power moves versus, like, some of these high-flying spots. That's just me personally. But, yeah, it was great to see Will Hobbs. Yeah, man. I mean, that reminded me of, like, one time Hunter was wrestling – uh, Ray Mysterio, and he just had him up there and just dropped him. I was like, "Oh, you know that that was real. That was really cool." But then I guess, uh, you know, the Kingston family they come out there and dismantle Hobbs and Mox, and then Darby Allen makes a run in, but he gets dismantled too by uh, Ricky Starks in the um, the skateboard. So I guess yeah. maybe next next week, because uh, we still have three weeks until Archer is supposed to face um, mm-hmm. Moxley, and he should be yeah. cured by then. So I guess next week maybe we get that uh that six man that we were supposed to get uh yesterday. Yeah, that's the thing. So I'm just kinda of looking up online, so uh uh on their Instagram. So yeah, a couple things. Um Yeah, so this maybe kind of a make good. So Eddie Kingston's family is gonna take on Darby Allen, Will Hobbs, and Moxley, which is cool. Yeah, it's a good make good since uh Cage and uh um Archer can't be there, which is another thing, you know, Brian Cage is not on this show tonight, so or last night, or this week's episode, I should say. So it's just interesting. Some faces were not on this episode of Dynamite this week. So, you know, people will speculate all they want about why is that. So, um, 
so it's cool. At least Will Hobbs still got to make an appearance in the main event during this melee. But yeah, the the good guys, the baby faces were all laid out. So a little foreshadowing, I guess, uh, their next matchup for everyone involved. So, uh, can't wait to see. So, uh, and yeah, they're building it up. Um, yeah, Moxley versus Archer for, uh, the one year anniversary of Dynamite, that championship match. Also, uh, let's see. Also on October 7th, it was announced Chris Jericho's 30th anniversary celebration, which I'm excited for, but how are you going to do this as far as AEW doesn't have the rights to the majority of like the highlight footage? Uh, of his career like the majority of his work his body of work is in wwe and of course they're not going to have access to it or be allowed to use it so i wonder how they're going to actually have a 30th celebration of, of chris jericho i i think what's going to happen uh maybe the inner circle is going to throw him like a big party and maybe they can pl- play like a video package of people talking about jericho's career <laughs> and you can have do what Dark Side of the Ring does. Have, like, reenactments or something. <laughs> That's the thing I saw was that Ryan Satin tweeted out, like, they should have wrestlers on the roster reenact his moments from his career. So maybe that's how they can have some fun with that. So, like, they'll have highlights of this last year of his time in AEW. I don't know if they can use any of the stuff from New Japan as well. Um, but, you know, anything from WCW, WWE, they don't not allowed to use it's all in the wwe's property now get some uh get some tape from mexico when he was corazon de leon <laughs> yeah i was gonna say maybe some early stuff from canada but even some of the stuff in canada i think wwe has the rights to so i'm sure knowing aew inner circle they'll probably have some fun with this and make fun of this because uh we see in the past like remember God, what was it 10 years ago whatever uh tna try to do their version of like a ECW one night stand type of thing, like celebrate ECW's history, but they didn't have any of the rights saying the stuff. They had some of the wrestlers there, but instead they had people cut promos or, or backstage interviews, explain what they love about ECW without actually saying ECW. Um, so they danced around it all night long. So I wonder if AEW, but they, but the thing with TNA was they were trying to take things very seriously. So I wonder if AEW will be very lighthearted and goofy and make fun of the fact that they don't, they can't show any of Chris Jericho's body of work from the last 20 plus years in WWE. So like maybe they'll have some fun parodies, reenactments with some of the wrestlers, uh, just goofy on, and that's part of the charm. It's just them goofy on the fact that, yeah, Jericho, you've been in the business 30 years, but we can't show any of it. So we're going to make fun of it in some way. So I'm looking forward to that. So the coming weeks for AW, it's going to be really exciting between Jericho's 30th anniversary celebration, the one year anniversary of Dynamite, also in October. So October is going to be really good. And that's also going to be on the road to uh, their next pay per view in November, which is what, full gear? November it's full 7th? gear. Full gear, yeah. Full so, cast title on the line for that too, Hubert. You better, uh, you better be ready. Oh, I am ready. Like I said, just keep it shiny. <laughs> keep it shiny for me. Like I said, I mean that. I'm gonna be a okay. What is it? I'll be the Adam Cole of the Bullets Cast Championship, the universe that we live in right now. I'll be the longest reigning number of days ever. Oh, really? Yeah, just putting it out there to all the challengers out there. <laughs> like I said, I'll, I'll be Huey Three Belts. I got my my toy. AEW championship title. I got the Wing Eagle championship. We got to start doing videos so I can show 
all my prized possessions here. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, so it'll be a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, like once again, so in this is another fun episode of Dynamite here. They're doing great things as always. And, uh, fingers crossed, just a little foreshadowing. I might have an interview with someone from AEW in a couple weeks. So fingers crossed on that. We'll see how that plays out. I don't want to jinx myself. Uh, but just, uh, please another re- reminder why you need to subscribe to our podcast to be the first one to get the alerts on that. All right, Philip, let's go home for tonight. Where can all the clicksers online find you? Uh, well, here we go. Heel, H-E-E-L, Antwine, A-N-T-W-I-N-E, Twitter and Instagram. I'm on the, I'm on the Twitter. Um, Bulletcast on Twitter, The Bulletcast on YouTube, The Bulletcast on Instagram, Complex Conversations, C-O-M-P-L-E-X-X, Conversations, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you listen to podcasts, Cheekley TV, C-H-I-K-L-E, uh, TV, uh, Instagram, YouTube, all that great stuff. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it's been a pleasure, Huey, being back on here, um, Sunday. Hopefully you, you won't cry too bad when I beat you wow. to once again reclaim the Bullet Cast Championship for a tenth time. Tenth time. Is that the most title reigns? Yeah, Brandon's at eight. I'm at ten. Wow. I'm at two. But it's, it doesn't matter. It, number of tower rings don't matter. It's the length, right? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> then why have we been talking about 16 world titles with Flair for Actually, the past see, and that's years? A, yeah, good point. That's the thing. That's the, that's the thing. Like, I, I kind of – I'm sure there's a list out there. Like, Cena and Flair both tie for 16, but, like, I think Flair, like, blows Cena out of the water as far as length. It's 21. That's the, that's the real record, 21. Number of title wins he has? Yeah. He had to leave into like New Zealand a couple times. That's right. Like him and was it was him and Harley Race. Like, like back in the day before social media and TV was covering every single aspect. Like they would like bounce the titles off each other every night. Like so, uh, but no. But it's like a title, like the length of title reigns. Like I think I'm sure Flair had longer title reigns than Cena. Cena had a lot of short title reigns, if I remember correctly. It's off the top of my head. I'm just guessing. I could be completely wrong. Please, clicksters, don't hate me for that. So, and I'm sorry, we're talking so much WWE on an AEW podcast right now. <laughs> but so, uh, I'm Baby Huey. Follow me on Facebook at Baby Huey Official, Twitter and Instagram at Baby Huey83, at In the Click as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, YouTube. I got to get back onto the YouTube, uploading some stuff there. But uh, uh, thank you again for all the continued support. Please subscribe to In the Click on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Please rate, comment, and share the podcast because I know we're getting a lot of new listeners lately. So please leave a comment and just uh, tell us why you love at In the Click, why you love In the Click so much. That way, uh, gives people a reason to hit that subscribe button and keep tuning in, get those notifications. And on that note, let's go home. And that's the bottom line. Actually, I should say, what a rush! Because Huey said so. <laughs>